Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, squirrels and ocelots, mimes and pipe fitters, tap dancers and brick masons, uh, those who sat through 16 minutes of dead air and those who did not, all are welcome here at Pontificating with Paul and the Proletariat. Heard Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. till noon, right here on 1320 WARA and all over the world at WARARadio.com. Having some uh, interweb issues. Hopefully they'll be resolved. It's not us. It's Comcast. Uh, but we're here. Hiya, Jim. Ah. Anyone out there? I certainly hope so. Uh, we're in studio today. In studio. What do you know? Uh, so the uh, phone lines are open for your calls at, uh, don't tell me, uh, 508-222-1320. 508-222-1320. Is Lurt Numbair to call in? Da, 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 da. There we go. Get some fractured fairy tale stuff up there. Ah. You can also text the show and become a remote correspondent at 774 287 6194. Oh, Mark LaFontaine says, Good morning, Carol and Paul. Carol's uh, safely ensconced at home today, getting to use her own office uh, before she leaves. For an appointment, you can also email the show at paul at wararadio.com. That's paul at wararadio.com. Uh, the interweb willing. Let me turn that up. Uh, we've got the good folks at uh, Attleboro Community Theater. Whoops. Uh, scheduled to come in today um, for about a half hour or so during our final hour. Uh, their new show, their new play is starting uh, Friday night, this Friday night. Uh-oh. So where's Outlook? How do I get to Outlook? Huh. There's got to be a way to get my WARA email up. Interesting. I don't know. Um, are you covering basketball on AM Radio 1320? I certainly hope so, Mark. I'll find out. Uh, I'm going to be in Worcester tomorrow. I have to leave the show early because I have to be in Worcester tomorrow uh, to speak to uh, one of Dave Angel's uh, classes up at Worcester State University. That's fine use of their tuition money, eh? Uh, so, heck, I'll be more than halfway uh, to Springfield anyway. Hopefully I can bring the equipment with me. Uh, we have a few um, T's to dot and I's to cross before we can make that happen. 774-287-6194 is the number to text in. Huh. All right. Well, let me start all over. Try to get to my WARA uh, email site. Um, February 27th. In the year of our Lord, 19 or 2024, uh, my mom was born 102 years ago today. February 27th, 1922. All right. Let's see if that works. Um, and that was a big day uh, for women, for dames, for gals, for chicks, broads, finely educated, forward-looking uh, young women. Because on uh, February 27th, 1922, did I mention my mom was born? Born on that day? The Supreme Court in Lesser versus Garnett unanimously upheld the 19th Amendment of the Constitution, which guaranteed the right of women to vote. Yes, even though they were just dames, women um, got the right to vote today. I think it was 1919 
when the 19th Amendment was passed, maybe 1920, uh, but it wasn't until the Supreme Court decided on this day 102 years ago uh, that women matter as well, and they got the right to vote. Sure, when they got the right to vote, they kind of screwed it up. Uh, when women got the right to vote, they kind of screwed it up. And uh, it was the women's vote that was resp- mostly responsible for prohibition. Yes, the disaster of prohibition. Because they were sick of, well, uh, oh, we have a phone call. Well, uh, They were sick of the uh, man in their life uh, drinking away his paycheck and not bringing it home to support the wife and kids. But we straightened that out, and I don't think women have made a mistake since. Let's go to the phone lines at 508-222-1320. Good morning. It's Peter. How you doing? Peter J. Wiggins, thank you for holding on. What's going on in Norton? Last night, Dylan Cummings scored a goal in double overtime as the Norton Lancers ice hockey team beat the Ludlow Lions last night in Foxborough 3-2. Uh, you know, I'm glad for uh, Norton winning in double overtime, but boy, that had to be a long bus ride back to Ludlow for those poor lads, huh? That's right. Yeah. Any, what else is going on? And next up, the Norton Lancers will be going up to Peabody to meet the Linfield Fighting Pioneers Wednesday at 8 o'clock. And that's hockey? Hockey, yes. Excellent. Outstanding. All right. What else is going on in Norton Town? And Tom. Um, and the Norton Lancers girls basketball team will be hosting a playoff game Friday, facing the winner of the Newburyport Southeastern game. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I know Newburyport's the Clippers. I don't know what Southeastern's nickname is. The Hawks. The Hawks. There you go. Thank you. Uh, that's right. Anything else? Thanks. Norton Plan will be meeting seven fifteen p.m. at the Media Center. And you'll be there. I'll be there. That's right. And hey, Jackie. Oh yes, Jackie's listening today. Thank you, Peter. See you, see you, Paul. See you, bye. See you, Paul. See you, bye. Bye, bye. There he goes. We'll be hearing from uh, Peter on uh, Thursday, his own show Thursday. Um, everything you wanted to know about Norton but were afraid to ask. <clears throat> uh, Thursdays, 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. right here on 1320 WARA. Let's pause that. Ooh, it's been a while since I've been in studio. Got to figure out how all the buttons work. Uh, um, oh, we got an email here. Uh, Robert Lanfear has emailed the show. Uh, press release, Falls Firebar Museum, March 16th, Psychic Fair Fundraiser. The Falls Firebar Museum of North Attleboro, uh, Historical Society, I think, uh, will hold a Psychic Fair Fundraiser at the museum from 12 noon until 5 p.m. on Saturday, March 16th, which is coming up sooner than we think. The cost of a 15-minute reading is 20 buckaroos. An admission charge of $2 includes a chance at a door prize. The fair includes psychics, mediums, animal communicators, tarot cards, stones, angel card readers, uh, reiki, animal reiki, and more on both floors of the museum, located at 100 Commonwealth Ave in the Attleboro Falls section of North Attleboro. Help the Falls Barn Fire Museum by making your ca- uh, marking your calendars uh, for the Psychic Fair Fundraiser. Again, that's March 16th, Saturday, 12 noon to 5 p.m. For more information, call or text Nancy Campbell at 774-778-4605. That's 774-778-4605.
let's see, Chuck Muncie wore 46, and uh, George Scott wore number five. So there you go. All right, 774-287-6194. You can call in. Uh, we're in studio at 508-222-1320. That's 508-222-1320. Did I get, where's my fractured fairy tale stuff? Ah, there we go. Da, 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 da. Let's click on this. Da, 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 da. <sighs> Come on. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. All right. Um, oh, also coming up uh, this this Saturday, uh, Dinner in the Dark, a blindness awareness event, Dinner in the Dark. Join us for a unique experience that will test your senses. Saturday, February 24th, 2024. That's this Saturday. Uh, GACS of Rhode Island, 78 Carter Street, excuse me, Carter Ave in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Uh, doors open at 6. Dinner is at 7. Uh, chicken Marsala with Swedish meatballs. A 50-50 drawing, basket drawings. Uh, you can scan here for tickets if you're, if you're holding the flyer. I'm holding it. Sponsored by the South Attleboro Lions Club. Tickets are $35 each. Seating is limited. Um, type in the South Attleboro Lions in your mind-controlling computer device uh, to get more information. But it's an opportunity to, uh, well, um, understand uh, what our blind brothers and sisters are going through uh, as you have a uh, dinner in the dark. I wouldn't want to sit next to me at one of those. I tend to spill things a lot especially as a kid. I don't know how many times I spilled my milk at the dinner table, which would lead to my father saying, for Christ's sake. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, so uh, I do encourage you to go to that. I don't encourage you to sit next to me. 774-287-6194 is a lure number. Ah, rats. Whoops. Stop that. Stop that. Stop that. The Karen Reed trial, I think she did it, is delayed at least five weeks, according to David Linton in today's Sun Chronicle. Yeah, using the uh, same technique as our 45th president, stall, delay, deny the inevitable, we hope. Uh, The murder trial of Karen Reed, the Mansfield woman accused of killing her Boston police officer boyfriend and backing into him with her SUV and leaving him for dead in a snowstorm in 2022, has been delayed for at least five weeks. Rats. Rats. Ah, remember the halcyon days of 2022 when we'd actually get things like snowstorms in New England? I hope those days come back again. During a hearing uh, yesterday, Dedham Superior Court Judge Beverly Canone Uh, set an April 16th trial date, but gave Reed's lawyers until Monday to file a written motion to ask for even more time. One of Reed's lawyers, Alan Jackson of Los Angeles, who's paying for this, uh, said the defense team needs more time to review 3,000 pages of material and transcripts from the U.S. Attorney's Office, which has conducted its own investigation into the case. 
The April 16th date is probably not realistic. L.A. Attorney Jackson told the judge the trial was initially scheduled for March 12th. But federal prosecutors recently gave lawyers for both sides the information of, oops, take two. But federal prosecutors recently gave lawyers for both sides information from their probe. The information has been impounded and is not public. Both sides previously requested a later trial date before they received the information in anticipation of the voluminous page two amount of material. But Canone at the time said delaying the trial was premature. The U.S. Attorney's Office has not disclosed why it is interested in the case. Reed, who turned 44 Monday, has pleaded not guilty. Way to go, Sun Chronicle. They're, they're doing it the right way. Craig Borges over there, I guess, has made a decision to start saying they pled not guilty as opposed to innocent. Good. Reed... Uh, has pleaded not guilty to second-degree murder, which may be a bit of a stretch, manslaughter, which is not a stretch, uh, by motor vehicle while driving drunk and leaving the scene of an accident after causing personal injury or death. She's free on bail. Reed and her lawyers, who's paying for fancy-schmancy lawyers from L.A.? Reed and her lawyers contend she's being wrongfully accused in the death of her boyfriend because they're lying, John O'Keefe, 47, and is the victim of a wide-ranging cover-up by law enforcement. Ooh, a conspiracy. Yeah. That's a pretty healthy ego, huh? That all of the law enforcement for the town of Mansfield, the state of Massachusetts, and the United States of America would conspire to take her down. Wow, somebody's got a pretty healthy ego, eh? Did it, did it, did. Prosecutors say she backed into O'Keefe after a night of heavy drinking with friends in January of 2022 and left him for dead outside the Canton home of another Boston police officer during a snowstorm. But Reed's lawyers argue O'Keefe was beaten inside the house where there was an after party after Reed dropped him off. They contend he was also bitten by a pet German shepherd during the assault and then was brought outside. Hmm. Hmm. During the hearing Monday, Jackson said all of the material from the U.S. Attorney's Office is brand new. And all of it, Your Honor, appears to us to be exculpatory. End quote. As you know, exculpatory evidence is evidence that excludes or absolves a defendant of fault or guilt. Yeah, we'll see. I might be wrong on this. I hope not. I think she did it. They found DNA, right? From a hair attached to one of the taillights on her SUV. In response, assistant DA, that's the prosecuting side, Laura McLaughlin, no relation to the lovely Carol McLaughlin of the Quincy McLaughlins, uh, said the material was voluminous but disputed Jackson's characterization of the information. Uh, I would say that approximately 90 to 95 percent of the material that we've received is consistent with the Commonwealth's theory of the case and testimony that went to the grand jury, McLaughlin said. Let's move ahead. Last week, prosecutors disclosed in a court filing that DNA 
from O'Keefe, the victim, was found on, a ta- on taillight pieces from Reed's SUV, implicating her in his death. The court filing did not indicate when the testing was completed. Defense lawyers say there's evidence others killed O'Keefe. Bull crap. Including cell phone records of a witness at the Canton house. The witness made a Google search for how long it takes for a person to die in the snow. Hours before Reed returned to the house and discovered O'Keefe in the snow, defense lawyers say. It goes on and on and on and on and on. But um, will that trial ever come? Will that trial ever end? I don't know. Uh, We'll be right back after this on 1320 WARA. Yeah, Janice Joplin, get it while you can. We'll get back to that at the end of this set. On uh, February 22nd, did I mention that's my mom? No, February 27th. That's my mom's birthday. Thank you. On February 27th, 1971, five months after her tragic, untimely death, Janice Joplin began a nine-week run at the top of the U.S. album chart with Pearl, uh, released on January 11th, 1971. The title marked Joplin's second and final solo studio album. Ah, rats. And then Mr. Blue Pride checking in. Uh, By the way, going to confirm with the Putnam Regional folks, as soon as the show's over, we can get an interweb connection uh, out there at the gym, wherever the basketball team plays. Uh, And if we can get that, it looks like uh, I'll be heading uh, tomorrow out to uh, Worcester State University to talk to Dave Angel's class about radio and how it used to matter <clears throat> uh, in our culture. Rats. Uh, and then from there, taking the jaunt out to Springfield uh, to uh, bring out live radio coverage. Going to find out if uh, Ryan, my play by color commentator, can get there. Uh, and if the greatest person and my friend Peter J. Wigan calls into your show, he already did. How did the Norton Sports... Uh, teams do. Go Norton, go Peter J. Wiggins. Uh, that's from Mark. Uh, he mentioned the boys, uh, their preliminary hockey game, they won a double overtime. Yes, Cummings comes up clutch for the Lancers in a double overtime thriller as they beat Ludlow 3-2. to So there you go, Mark. 774-287-6194 is the number to text in. <clears throat> yeah. Hello, hello, hello. Is there anybody out there? Um, you can call in at 508-222-1320. Got to get to Tom Rafferty's uh, texts. Uh, Doug Green, Lisa Forsgaard, and Phil Matkella, the director of Sherlock Holmes. I think the play is, I have to call it up. I think it's Baskerville is the actual name of the play. Um We'll be in studio tomorrow. That's today at 11 a.m. Uh, Doug usually does lights, and Lisa is the stage manager. Way wicked important. 
uh, the stage manager uh, for any play, especially at the community theater level. Where are we here? Let's look at my notes. Oh, do I have this here? Yes, um, <clears throat> a story we're not going to go all the way through. Because <clears throat> I think it's a little bit ridiculous. Uh, but yes, yes, now they're coming after fairy tales. Wow. Yeah, 17 fairy tales that are now considered racist. This is by uh, Jane Andrews from the Critical Financial website. While fairy tales weave magical narratives that span generations and are designed to keep kids in line by scaring the bejesus out of them, many emerge from historical and cultural contexts twinged with biases. Hiding in many of these tales, racial undertones can be found. Let's look at 17 fairy tales that have deeper implications, and there's no way we're going through all 17, because you'll get the point after just two or three. Aladdin and the Wonderful Lamp. Disney may have made this into a kid's film, but the story of Aladdin does perpetuate stereotypes. Not only does the main character start as a thief, you mean there are no thieves in the world? It also paints the image of the Orient as one place, skipping over diverse cultures and present, uh, cultures present in Asian societies. Hmm. Hmm. Cinderella. Cinderella, the racist tale. This story, whilst innocent in its intentions, has been said to emphasize the princess's fairness, fairness of her skin, as the ideal form of beauty. This is especially true in some versions. Inadvertently, this reduces the appreciation for the diverse beauty standard. It goes on and on and on. But my God, my God, they're fairy tales, and that they're too racist. I don't know. Beauty and the Beast. Come on, let's go. It's only a three-hour show. <clears throat> well, what do you know? We're back. <clears throat> yeah. The uh, Comcast crew is right there at the corner of Dunham and Reed Streets. I don't know what kind of work they're doing, but they keep periodically knocking us off the interweb. Uh, talk to uh, Doug Green of Attleboro Community Theater, who works nearby. He and a uh, couple other members of uh, Attleboro Community Theater who have their show coming up, their new show opening up this Friday. They're scheduled to be in studio at 11 o'clock today to talk about it. I don't know how much of an audience we have, though, and whether we should postpone this to uh, Thursday. I'm not sure. Let me write this in. Uh, da, 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 da. Da, 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 Yeah, da, da, da. Uh, If you're out there, let me know. Phone lines are open at 508-222-1320, 508-222-1320. You can also text the show at 774-287-6194. Here's the official name of the show. Or you can email at paul at wararadio.com. Ken, uh, Attleboro Community Theater presents Ken Ludwig's Baskerville, a Sherlock Holmes mystery, directed by Philip Markella. It's going to be performed March 1st, this coming Friday. Um, 
this weekend, next weekend, and the weekend after March 1st through the 17th. Friday and Saturday, 8 p.m. performances, and Sunday, 2 p.m. matinees, Attleboro Community Theater at the Ezekiel Elks Lodge, 71 North Main Street, uh, right here in Attleboro, Massachusetts. Uh, Before we got kicked off the interweb again, uh, we were talking about uh, fairy tales. Now they're coming after fairy tales as being too, too offensive. Yes, Peter Pan, Peter Pan is too offensive now. Offensive to pirates? I'm not sure. Whilst this may be another treasured classic, the way in which Native Americans are portrayed is not. Wow. Wow. Not everything's an attack, folks. And nobody's more pro-Native American than me. But really? Really? You want to ban Peter Pan? Uh, Here, Native Americans are shown to be simple-minded people further encouraging harmful stereotypes regarding their speech, behavior, and culture. And speaking of our Native American friends, it was on this day, February 27th, 1973, members of the American Indian Movement occupied the hamlet of Wounded Knee in South Dakota, the site of the 1890 massacre of Sioux men, women, and children. Uh, The occupation lasted until the following May. Wow. And yeah, uh, at Wounded Knee in 1890, that massacre, it wasn't a battle. Uh, That was basically it. That was the death knell um, for uh, Native Americans and uh, the unofficial end of the uh, United States versus the native population, uh, that war, uh, which us, the bad guys, won. Rats, 774-287-6194. Well, I waited to see if anybody's out there. How many of you, how many of you have uh, stuck with us uh, during our periods of dead air? If you're still listening, please text in at 774-287-6194 and let me know. Um... Is this fairy tale on the list? Beauty and the Beast. Let's try to go. Oh, uh, and I'm not even going to read the descriptions now. I'll just tell you, uh, according to this website, uh, Critical Financial, a story by Jane Andrews, uh, which 17 fairy tales are now persona or fairy tale non grata because they're offensive. Now, uh, quickly, starting at the top of the list, uh, Aladdin is out. Cinderella's out. Peter Pan, The Little Mermaid, uh, Hansel and Gretel. Yes, because I guess the witch is supposed to be Romani, and it reflects negative stereotypes. If they weren't stereotypes, they wouldn't be fairy tales. My gosh, Rumpelstiltskin is out. Hmm, I wonder why. Uh, Snow White, yep, she's beautiful, but her skin's too white, so that's too racist. Uh, to be read to children nowadays. The Seven Chinese Brothers is out. I don't even know that one. The Golawog stories? Never heard of the Golawog stories. Tintin in the Congo? Tintin's a well-recognized book series. However, not all the stories are so innocent. Tintin in the Congo paints the people of African cultures as naive and simple-minded, whilst Tintin 
as a superior white person from Western civilizations. Well, heck, back when that fairy tale was made, that's how white people really thought. We got a couple of remote correspondents here at 774-287-6194. Oh, Carol writes, I'm here. Agent 42 is here. All right, well, let's get through this list really quickly. Barbar and the Little Elephant. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, this story tells of Barbar, who returns to the jungle, bringing with him his European customs, clothing, and governance, implying that they are superior, superior to his culture. Ooh, the Africa. The story of Little Black Sambo. All right, you might have something in that one. Puss in Boots is too offensive. Uh, but up, but up, but uh, Ali Baba and the 40 Thieves, huh, tells about treacherous thieves that get ahead by using deceit. So does the Republican Party. <clears throat> uh, gives way to negative stereotypes about people that come from Middle Eastern cultures, implying that they steal and lie. Everyone or just Ali Baba? Rapunzel's on the list of offensive. Uh, yes. Yes, because she has white skin and beautiful long hair. Uh, that promotes an Eurocentric beauty standard by implying that only Western people could aspire to be as beautiful as Rapunzel. The Princess and the Pea, hmm, which you could name the Lady and the Legume. Wow. The Emperor's New Clothes, speaking of the Republican Party. Wow. Yeah, all of these, I guess, mock non-European cultures, which is why they're too offensive to read to your child. I don't think this fairy tale, I don't think this one is too offensive, though. Beauty and the Beast is not in the list. She slammed the door on his toe. Uh-oh. They lit a fire in the chimney. Ooh, good-looking blonde. Up oh, she... Sh- 
She closed the kissing, kissing booth when she saw the ugly, ugly beast approaching. Shouldn't this fairy tale be banned as well? It's offensive to ugly non-humans. Uh, a gorgeous, gorgeous blonde, which is offensive to non-gorgeous blondes, is trotting on her trusty steed through the woods. The beast has uh, made a catapult for himself and is now flying through the air towards the beautiful, offensive blonde bra uh, beauty. Up, oh, he hit a tree. They're throwing, wow, He's, his appearance is so ugly, they all threw pieces of wedding cake at the poor beast. Oh, what are you doing to me? Are we not going to get to the end of this? Oh, my gosh. We just sat through three minutes and 21 seconds. I thought it was odd because most uh, fractured fairy tales are five and a half minutes long. We're not going to get to the end? What a disaster today has been. There's a waste of everyone's time. We're not going to find out how it ends. Oh, well, it's probably too offensive anyway. Darn the luck. Oh, well. Oh, well. Rats. You ever have one of those days? <clears throat> I think I'm having one of those lives. Darn the luck. 774-287-6194 is alert number. February 27th, uh, my loving mother, uh, born on this day in 1922, the very same day that our Supreme Court affirmed a women's right to vote. Uh, something Sweden, uh, Sweden, Switzerland didn't get around to until the 1970s. Let me do this here. Let me do this here. Da, 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 da. Yeah, da, 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 da. Uh, let me put this in here. And, uh, whoops. How come you're not letting me put that in? All right. Here's one of my mom's favorite Roy Orbison songs, <clears throat> one of his rockers. Uh, yeah, don't go away. Huh? Ow. Ah, welcome back. Pontificating with Paul and the proletariat. <clears throat> We've been on for almost 15 straight minutes now without an interweb interruption. What do you know? Joanne Woodward is 94 years old. I wonder what her favorite um, Newman's Own salad dressing is. Hmm. Hmm. Way to go, uh, Joan Woodward. Uh, Elizabeth Taylor, born on this day in 1932. Uh, author John Steinbeck shares my mom's birthday. He was born on this day in 1902. Um, all the books he had to read in high school, I used to like the John Steinbeck books. I actually read those and not just the Cliff Notes. Uh, yeah, so there's that. Um, <clears throat> a woman is seeking a divorce... 
And she's got a very good reason. Her husband forgot to get her a burger. <clears throat> yeah, a woman in Abu, Dhab- uh, Abu Dhabi filed for divorce. Women can do that in Muslim countries? I thought only men could file for divorce in Muslim countries by saying, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you, and then by Allah's will, uh, well, she's poop out of luck. But anyway, a woman in Abu Dhabi filed for divorce, D-I-V-O-R-C-E, after her husband forgot her dinner. The wife was home alone while her husband was hanging out with his friends, low-life friends, I assume, when he got home at three in the morning, tempers flared, and she left because he forgot to pick up a burger for her on the way home. Wow. I'm going to guess uh, alcohol might have had something uh, to do with that. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> a very large telescope in Chile has discovered the brightest object known. Bright, a bright object. You know, the kind of objects that's too smart to be a Trump supporter. Uh, yes, it's a quasar called J0529-4351 at um, a galaxy's center. This quasar is powered by a black hole 17 billion times heavier than our own sun. 17 billion times heavier than our sun, which devours an amount of mass equal to our sun daily. Gosh, is the universe big. Quasars are formed by black holes rapidly absorbing surrounding matter, releasing vast amounts of light as the material is accelerated and shredded. Huh. Wow. 774-287-6194 is alert number. 774-287-6194. Um... Let's do a science story, shall we? Uh, This from a Desert News website written by Alyssa Bradford. The Y chromosome is disappearing. Here's what it means for men. Yeah. We have uh, X chromosomes and Y chromosomes. Uh, When the fully formed humans... Uh, known as embryos, yeah, are invaded by sperm. Uh, if it's uh, if the cr- uh, chromosome combination ends up being XX, it'll be a female baby. If it's XY, uh, the new baby will be just a male. But allegedly, the Y chromosomes are disappearing. I blame pollution, fossil fuels, and plastics, but that's just me. Sex determination at birth is decided on the chromosome the baby has. A female has two X chromosomes, whereas just a male has one X and one Y chromosome. According to Medline Plus, in every human cell, humans possess 23 pairs of chromosomes, among which the sex chromosomes constitute one pair. The X chromosome conspiring... Excuse me. The X chromosome comprising roughly 155 million DNA pairs, make up around 5% of the total DNA in cells. The Y chromosome extends 
over more than 59 million DNA building blocks, base pairs, and accounts for nearly 2% of the total DNA found in cells. So X chromosomes account for about 5% of the DNA in cells. Y chromosomes, because uh, Y chromosomes make only men, just 2%. So 5% to 2%. However, according to the conversation, it's a website, I guess, the Y chromosome is degrading at a concerning rate. Concerning to whom? How many times have we said uh, that, uh, well, with so many problems on this great planet of ours, men are the problem. We can solve hate, horror, terrorism, and war in one fell swoop. Uh, send every adult male to Australia. They get that continent. Every woman and child gets the other six continents. Uh, those six continents will be thriving uh, like never before, and uh, within just a few years, Australia, populated only with men, will be burning in bedlam. Yeah. Uh, what is happening to the Y chromosome, and why is it disappearing, and is it Mother Nature's will? We know it's not nice to fool Mother Nature. Uh, da -da 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 -da. There have been plenty of changes to the Y chromosome over the years. Our sex chromosomes were originally a pair of typical XY chromosomes, a trait still observed in birds and reptiles. Even in uh, metronome mammals like platypuses and echidnas, XY chromosomes are ordinary. Within the last 166 million years, the human chromosome, excuse me, the human Y chromosome has lost most of its Let's do this. Most of its 16,000 genes at a rate of nearly 10 per million years. At this pace, the Y chromosome is expected to vanish in about 4.5 million years. So we have to wait 4.5 million years before we run out of Y chromosomes? I don't think the Earth can last that long. Let's go to the phone lines at 508-222-1320. What do you know? Someone's listening, even though most of today's show has been dead air. Good morning. Hello, Frisco. <laughs> Throw out your hands. Stick out your tush. Hands on your hips. Give him a push. You'll be surprised you're doing the, the French, French mistake. mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like steam escaping, Tom. <clears throat> yes. Okay. So, let's see. Uh, where is my Carmen Miranda hat? Oh, oh my God. All right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wow. One of my favorite. One of my favorite stories of working up at the top of the hub, there was a waiter uh, that, uh, he, he was a great guy. Yeah. Uh, I won't say his last name. He, he passed away, unfortunately, from AIDS. But uh, his first name was Bobby, tall, lanky guy, uh, and he, he spoke with that kind of affectation. Yeah. And I will never forget, <laughs> he was on his way out, uh, you know, for alcoholism or what have you. Yeah. And I think he dropped a quaalude. This would have been like 1983. Dropped a quaalude and had like four Manhattan oh, on the floor. And he kept ignoring this one couple. I believe they were from Newton. And finally the husband stood up, took his napkin, threw it on the, the table and says, Damn it, I've waited over an hour for my entree. Wow. I want to speak to the manager. So Bobby grabs 
the man's wife's hat, which is up kind of like on a ledge. Okay. And it's it's pink with a purple plume in it. <laughs> and he says, oh, my God, who owns this tacky piece of you-know-what? <laughs> and then that's when the, the, the Mater D, his name was Ray, got on the telephone. He goes, security, get up here. ASAP, it's an emergency. And, and Bobby is high as a kite. And the last thing I remember seeing this guy, Bobby, four college kids dressed in, like, ill-fitting security uniforms, grab them, give them the bums rush. Okay. And, you know, this is the top of the hub is 52 floors up. It's on top of the Prudential. All of a sudden, I see his head pop out of the elevator, a side view, and he goes, your bullion base will be out in a minute, sir. And I And it's like it echoed. They pulled him back in, but I never saw the poor guy after that. But oh my God, I I could write a book about some of the stuff I saw back then. Um, did the poor customer ever get his bouillabaisse? No, the general manager. His last name is Chase. I won't say his first name. Yeah. But he came out with his he came out with his hat in hand, apologizing. And the, the, the man was kind of a very distinguished-looking guy, kind of bald with a beard, uh, you know, a little bit of white on him. And he goes, this is the last time I ever come to this restaurant again. Honey, let's get out of here. And uh, that was about the end of it. But m- myself and this uh, waiter about 20 years older than me who lived in Quincy, the two of us are in the bus stand, kind of hidden from the public, and we are just laughing hysterically over this, you know, yep. and it's just sometimes you hate to see uh, people be made at fun at other people's expense, but just the way Bobby acted that night was unbelievable, and I hope that other person that remembered me from the top of the hub was there that night. I think his name was Keith. He, he may very well have been there, but yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, and again, you know, regarding things being offensive, as you and I have talked about before, either everybody's in the pool or nobody's in the pool. We can either laugh with and at everyone or we can laugh with and at no one. I go with the everyone approach. Wow. I love, and you know what? What what this country is missing is a guy like George Carlin. And, and I, I, you know, it's a shame that he died in his, his early 70s, but... Yeah. Uh, we really need satirists in this country uh, to kind of get uh, some kind of normalcy back here because uh, it's just getting crazier and crazier. Well, it's so tough to do satire anymore because every generation there are fewer and fewer people who are bright enough to get the difference between uh, good-natured satire and offensive words. Uh, words are benign. Words themselves aren't offensive. It's the intent behind them that makes them offensive or inoffensive, funny or not funny. But, uh, yeah, satire. Of, of course. Yep. And, and it's funny because I, I just spoke with one of my electrician buddies who's about 15 years younger than me. He lives in the town of Berkeley. Very nice guy. But he said right now, working in uh, downtown Boston in the building trades, he says, white, white males are walking on eggshells well, these days. <laughs> you know, uh, and it's and you know it, it used to be you know you could kind of razz one another on the jobs, can't do that anymore. And uh, yeah, well, yeah, he said uh, everyone is just nobody says anything. He said in the break rooms, everybody yeah. just looks at their cell phones, doesn't talk. And he said it's it, it's changed so much. Wow. 
Of course, you could argue, just to play devil's advocate, uh, white guys did have the last four centuries uh, to stomp and pound through any situation um, they were met with. Uh, so maybe a person of a less generous nature than myself uh, might say, um, okay, the white guy now has to tiptoe around certain subjects in the workplace. Uh, how do you, now you know how we feel. But anyway, um, right. I do wish we and, could get and, back and to remember, everyone could take a joke. All right. Right. Re- remember what um, Bill Clinton said in 92 running for president when Sister Soldier said, two wrongs don't make a right, but it sure makes us even. <laughs> you remember that quote? No, I don't. She said that. And, no. Oh, well, Bill, Bill Clinton, um, when he ran for president, made that comment. He wow. said uh, when people like Sister Soldier, I, I don't even know what she was. I don't know if she was a rapper or a thinker or whatever, but he said uh, that kind of rhetoric is not good for the country. And, you know, I, I look back at uh, President Clinton, and he really was, he was one of my favorite presidents in my lifetime. And I just remember the tone okay. that, that he had back then. And I remember uh, when he came to Portland State in 96 and said, the face of America is changing. And he said what people like me wanted to hear. Pay your taxes, yeah. learn the English language, understand the history of this country. And that Democratic Party doesn't exist anymore. Well, the Republican Party from back then doesn't exist anymore either. And he was so a heck of a saxophone so player on the Arsenio Hall show. Last thing, and then I'll let you yes, go. Yeah, he was. Yeah, last thing, yeah. I'll let you go. Um, it, what, one of our big problems is that we only have two parties that really matter. In no other country on planet Earth, are someone like Joe Biden uh, and Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren in the same party. And no other country on planet Earth are someone like uh, Liz Cheney, um, uh, Mitch McConnell, and Donald effing Trump in the same party. No other country on Earth yeah. do we, uh, has that. No, and, uh, that's why... That's why we need a parliamentary system. Bingo. There it is. Well, uh, we'll get into uh, more England of that. Some of the... Israel has it. Well, a fat lot of good. That's doing them right now. BB Netanyahu. I think they've voted him in and out five times now. How's that working out for Israel? Tom, thank you so much. I got to run. I got some breaks to play before our next interview. Take care, Paul. All right, you too. Go get him. Um, 508-222-1320 is Lurt Number. 508 222 1320 is the number. Agent 595 sent in a remote correspondence regarding offensive fairy tales, meaning all of them. Uh, the, whoops. Oh, good morning. I think those uh, PC, politically incorrect fairy tales, represent the women being rescued by the handsome prince and not having any resources of their own. LOL. Yeah, I used to do a lot of pantos. Uh, up in Needham. And, um, you know, Panto is a form of British satire. Uh, they take popular songs, change the lyrics uh, to suit the uh, play. A lot of them, uh, Pantos, are based on fairy tales. And uh, a lot of them were about uh, women being empowered and not, not having to rely on the male to rescue them from every situation. 595 goes on to write, Brave little Sambo, however shows how wit can outsmart even the most ferocious adversary. 
he should be celebrated. <clears throat> and then uh, with our problems with the interweb today, I said I've been having one of those days or one of those lives. Agent 595 writes, uh, having one of those days since 1978. Happy birthday to your mom. Yes, born 102 years ago today on the very day where the Supreme Court uh, affirmed uh, in Lester versus Garnett, uh, the Supreme Court unanimous, unanimously upheld the 19th Amendment to the Constitution, which guaranteed the right of just women to vote. Happy birthday to your mom. Good memories only. The collective, collective? The collective lack of a sense of irony, 595 writes, which I think reflects intelligence in our country, makes satire offensive. Yeah, nobody gets satire or irony anymore. Because, well, many people aren't bright enough to. And then you could say that some of the youngsters out there, some of the youngsters out there, heck, they're offended by everything. If you're not constantly offended, you're not trying hard enough. Rats. All right. Um, I got to call the people at Attleboro Community Theater and see if we're going to go ahead with the uh, interview. I think we are. But we'll be right back after this on 1320-WARA. Uh, uh, after our commercial break, when we get back, where is it here? Come on. Come on. Robert Balderrama. Anyone? Robert Balderrama? He was in the band Question Mark and the Mysterians. Robert Balderrama, born on this day in uh, 1950. Uh, we'll have an A-side song from Question Mark and the Mysterians when we get back. When we get back. <clears throat> oh, she didn't complete her thought. Huh, what do you know? Uh, we'll get back to our 96 tiers at the end of this set. Just to wrap up this story quick, and I'm jumping ahead. Uh, the Y chromosome, very slowly, whoops, over millions of years, is uh, disappearing in animals and humans. Well, not disappearing yet. That's four and a half million years away. Uh, but um, uh, the number of X chromosomes in a cell, which make dames, has remained stable while the number of Y chromosomes in cells has gradually slowly reduced over millions of years. Proving, proving uh, my theory uh, that Mother Nature doesn't like men, and who can blame her? Uh, so skipping ahead to uh, the very end of the uh, article, uh, biologist David Page, he's a biologist in Boston, are strong advocates of the Y chromosome lasting. Huh. Disagreeing with Mother Nature, obviously. They emphasize that while chimpanzees have lost some genes since humans and chimps shared a common ancestor five million years ago, humans have not experienced significant gene loss. In fact, over the 25 million years <clears throat> since humans diverged from monkeys, humans have lost very few genes. Huh. Huh. Um, Jennifer Graves a geneticist from La Trobe University told NPR, I don't think that one can assume that just because uh, they're there and they do something useful, Y chromosomes, uh, they'll be there forever and ever. A small accident could tip it over the edge or the evolution of a new sex-determining system that works better, huh, than the old X and Y chromosome thing. 
Yeah. Uh, now, back to people not getting satire and irony. That's the reason you could never do the movie Blazing Saddles today, which is very sad because that was one of the greatest and funniest movies about racism ever made. Darn. Jan Domanski, not related to Jan Stenerud, former kicker for the Kansas City Chiefs, Jan Domanski of Uppsala University in Sweden told NPR that there may be a link between the Y chromosome and cancer. Ooh. It's making us men, but also causing us some troubles when we're getting older. Demansky told NPR, a review published by the National Library of Medicine found the loss of the Y chromosome could also create an increased risk of developing Alzheimer's disease, cancer, and cardiovascular disease. Wow. Uh, what if it doesn't stabilize? Yes, what if the Y chromosome, uh, the number of Y chromosomes in cells, keeps shrinking? While reproduction uh, would currently be difficult if there were no more men, <clears throat> be a happy uh, Mother Earth, but uh, no more men. Um, as, uh, and again, if the current trend continues, the Y chromosome will disappear in four and a half million years. Four and a half million years. I don't know if planet Earth can wait that long. Um, while the conversation, some website notes, four and a half million years is a long time since we've been recognized as humans for less than 100,000 years, there's no need to worry. There are numerous potential scenarios in which our species is likely to face extinction long before the Y chromosome disappears in four and a half million years. Huh. <clears throat> Speaking about how the world has changed, uh, let's go back to the world of fractured fairy tales uh, with a little bit of uh, fractured fairy tales, Little Fred Riding Hood. Hit him with a broom. Hit him with a broom. Corporal punishment. That's offensive. Uh, let's see how they reward him uh, for helping them get their beards apart right after this. He just said that.
Uh, back, back to our story, Little Fred Riding Hood. He kind of looks like a combination of a Robert Redford and Dudley Do-Right. Look, listen to these dames. Listen to these dames objectifying the poor guy. That's offensive. Uh, we'll get back to uh, ELO and uh, um memento, por favor. <clears throat> I didn't know this, but uh, Lewis Clark, born on this day in 1947, he was the conductor of the orchestra and the choir, hired to back the Electric Light Orchestra, the favorite band of our own Mark Ambrose, Agent 19, who hosts Country Now and Then. Pardon me? Wasn't that the Hooked on Classics guy? Lewis Clark? Hey! He was the Hooked on Classics guy. What do you know? Hmm. All right. Uh, let's go to the phone lines at 508-222-1320. That's, whoops. Come on, phone. Here we go. 508-222-1320. Good morning. What's happening? Oh, the amazing Jim Corbin calling in with our meteorological update. Yeah, I know. I only, excuse me, got a few minutes, and I think you got guests coming in, right? So yes, I will be. Yes, I will be very quick. Uh, we have had that persistent low clouds and fog uh, across much of the area, Paul, but it's eroding from the edges. So now it's just about gone, and we're going to have sunshine. There'll be some puppy clouds the rest of the afternoon. But how about this? Fifty-three, fifty-four degrees this afternoon. So we'll have melting. Uh, the ice continues to melt. What? Well, excuse me. What ice? <laughs> I know. There's not. Got to skate it. once this year. Once. Rats. Unless you could find a little patch of uh, something in the woods, right? Ten by ten. At any rate, uh, here's the big story. We've got a southeaster and then a turning into a southwester coming up tomorrow. Rain moves in late this evening. It's going to be definitely rain with temperatures around 50 degrees, and it looks like a wet, very windy day tomorrow. Uh, we're looking at all day, Paul, gusts 40, 45, even a few brief gusts perhaps late afternoon to 50 miles an hour out of the south-southwest. So if it's your day for recycling by late in the day. Oh. Uh, once they get rid of the, uh, they lose their weight when they get uh, emptied. Uh, the recycling bins could be all over the place tomorrow afternoon. Uh, but the good news, we have upper 50s for high temperatures tomorrow. Then much colder moving in for Thursday. Could be one of those huh. late nights, Paul, where everything uh, with the rain to, uh, tomorrow night for, through a good portion of the night changes briefly to wet snow and temperatures sharply colder. Could be one of those mornings Thursday where uh, things could ice up just a little bit. So you might want to uh, maybe uh, check on the vehicle if you're the unfortunates like most of us that have to leave our vehicles outside. Uh, they could ice up. Could be one of those mornings when you're banging at the door trying to get yeah. it open 
on Thursday morning. Only low to mid-30s, wind chills in the 20s on Thursday. Thursday, though, is the only really cold day for the rest of the week. Back up into the mid-40s on Friday. And right now, it looks like more clouds and sun over the weekend, probably somewhere in the 40s to about 50, maybe a touch of a little light rain. But it's tomorrow, and I think, Paul, I might be able to have an update uh, just before noontime tomorrow because I don't have uh, anything until afternoon. By the way, 14 in a row uh, road tests, 14 positives in a row now. I've got a streak going uh, back through November, so it's a good thing. Yeah, uh, Jim is also a driving instructor when he's not being a uh, meteorologist. And we had one this morning, uh, the person from uh, North Attleboro, she passed in flying colors. So, yeah, 14 in a row. But I have another one in the morning, Paul, but I might be able to call in right before noontime. So I'll, I'll keep you posted on that. All right. Tomorrow, though, tomorrow, wet and wild. Wet and wild. <clears throat> and warm, too. Yes, uh, wet so and wild. I don't think you can say that in the radio anymore, Jim. It's too offensive. Are you offended? Uh, yeah, I was <laughs> going to say, you can't say anything these days. By the <laughs> way, are there any fairy tales that are allowed now? I mean, you seem like you went through almost every single one that they don't want anymore, right? You can't talk about them? Yes, exactly right. Yes, they're, they're, again, they were designed to scare the bejesus out of children to keep them in line. Uh, but now now uh, all fairy tales do is glorify white people because they're more beautiful. <laughs> um, uh, the guy always rescues the poor damsel in distress. And uh, yes. people of non-white cultures don't come across too well. Yes, Alibaba and the 40 Thieves, how dare you? That offends the entire Arab world today when it used to just offend Alibaba. Oh, well. Anyway, you thank you, Jim. Anyway, all right, so anyway, we'll probably talk tomorrow, and we're going to be in the middle of a Southeaster. Okay, um, go get him. Yep. Yep. There he goes, the amazing Jim Corbin. Uh, we actually might not be talking tomorrow because I'm going to have to leave early tomorrow. Um, I'm heading out to Worcester State University to talk to Dave Angel's class. Uh, he teaches a class in a media, radio, and TV. Uh, once every semester, I go out and do a chapter on how radio used to be the most important communication medium in the world, and now it barely matters at all. Thank you, Rush Limbaugh. Rats. 774-287-6194. Uh, regarding the story we did about the Y chromosomes disappearing from human and animal cells at a very slow rate over the last 12 million years. And in a scant four and a half million years, the Y chromosome may be gone forever. Agent 42 writes, will we all become self-impregnating stingrays? Did you hear that story? A stingray in some aquarium somewhere with no other stingrays around is pregnant. So it either self-impregnated or one of the sharks in the tank knocked up the stingray. I don't know. Uh, at 11 o'clock, we're going to be talking with uh, Jeff Green. Or Doug Green. Oh, Doug, Doug Green. Yes, his brother. <clears throat> Mom always loved Jeff Moore. Rats. Oh, that's true. She locked me in the attic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking to Doug Green, Phil Markella. And what the heck's your name? Lisa Forsgard. Hi, Lisa. You're Hi. the stage manager, right? Yes, I am. So you'll be, you'll be the only person in the studio who really matters. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, exactly right. It sure doesn't feel that way most of the time. <laughs> uh, they're with Attleboro Community Theater uh, starting this Friday. They're doing Ken Ludwig's Baskerville, a Sherlock Holmes mystery. Uh, can somebody tell Tom Raffrey that the name of the play is not Sherlock Holmes? <clears throat> that the name of the play is Baskerville? <laughs> Who well, can tell Tom anything? That's a good point. Um, uh, beware, there is a boisterous librarian in my class. Oh, boisterous, excuse me, I read that wrong. 
Uh, we have a bell dedicated to my mistakes. Every time I make a mistake, I ring that bell. I used to donate a dollar to charity every time I rang that bell. But after about 18, 19 months, I went broke. So we still ring the bell. <clears throat> but I can't donate to charities anymore. Let's read this text properly. I'm speaking at Worcester State College. This is our multiple award-winning Breezy Dave Angel, the professor of the class. Uh, beware, there is a boisterous libertarian in my class. Oh, so he's not going to like it when I talk about how uh, Rush Limbaugh uh, destroyed local radio, but only all over the country. I think a boisterous librarian would be more fun. Yes, yes, than a boisterous libertarian. Well, we're going to take our top-of-the-hour break uh, and then be back with the folks from uh, Attleboro Community Theater regarding Ken Ludwig's Baskerville, a Sherlock Holmes mystery directed by Phil Markella. You can't say anything rotten about Phil anymore. He's in the building. (laughs) Um, But we'll be right back. It starts on this Friday night, 8 o'clock, and it's going to be every Friday and Saturday night at 8 p.m., Sunday at 2 p.m. for the next three weekends, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. uh, We'll uh, be back in about two minutes. Uh, Don't you go changing. All right, welcome back to Pontificating with Paul and the Proletariat, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. till noon, right here on 1320 WARA and all over the world at WARARadio.com. Um, Doug Green, how is your brother Jeff doing? My brother Jeff, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I tricked him, and when he was bringing me food in the attic, I switched the uh, cuffs, and he is now he is now cuffed and locked in the attic. Excellent. Excellent. Outstanding. But uh, we look enough alike that nobody noticed the difference. All right. Lisa Forsgaard is here and the director of the play, who would be nothing without stage manager Lisa Forsgaard. <laughs> that is true. Uh, Phil Markella is here. Uh, Doug, you're the technical um, brains of the outfit over at Attleboro Community Theater. What are you doing for this show? Well, one of them, actually. We're actually, we're doing a lot of things uh, for this show that we've never done before. Uh, Phil brought some new concepts to us and said, can we do this? And I said... Yeah, absolutely we can do this, having no idea how the hell we were going to do them. But you know, always, somebody told me, always agree and say you'll do it, and you figure out how to do it. So we're working with rear projecting for, for this time that we've never done before um, because there are just so many different locations in this. In our space on the stage and in, in, in the wings, the sides on the side of the stage is so small that the only way we can do London and Sherlock Holmes's flat and uh, the moors and the castle and the train platform and on the train and the telegraph office is to give the audience the clue as to our location wow. is through projections. Uh, and Keep we, to the roads. Beware we, the moors. We, we, work <laughs> <laughs> we, work, we work closely with uh, Illuminate uh, uh, Children's Theater, and they were in nice enough to let us borrow uh, their projector and are helping us set up the software uh, to go with it. So we were beginning to work with that last night, and uh, it looks really good. It was a lot of challenge to do the lighting setup yep. for this because I can't have any light hitting that screen yeah. or else it blows it right, blows the image right out. But I think it looks pretty cool. So Excellent. So, it's, uh, so, so Phil brought us some new, uh, new concepts and a new way to look at things. So I right. have to give him a nod for that. Um, I, I hate to make Lisa go last, but speaking of Phil, um, uh, who is Phil Markella and why does he matter? Well, Phil Markella is a, uh, he's, he's a father and a husband and uh, a uh, director of plays and sometimes player himself. I'm from the South Shore. I live in Plymouth. So this is a ride for me, but yeah. it's been well worth it. It's been a um, fantastic experience uh, getting back into theater for the last 
16, 17 years um, has been a trip for me. And um, and coming here with the idea, I've been, I've been trying to do this play for a couple of years now, and uh, you guys were the first uh, people to agree to it <laughs> because of the challenges that it that it gives us. Um, so it's been a, a, a real fun ride. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're in the theater community in different areas, you know, you get used to the same way of doing things with the same people. So to come here to Attleboro yep. and to meet this fantastic and enthusiastic and talented group of actors mm-hmm. has been so much fun for me to the, to, to the extent that, you know, the way the play is written it's a really, really small cast, but yeah. I kind of played with it a little bit because the actors were so enthusiastic about participating in the show that I just had to give you know, roles to so many people that... Um, you should probably mention that. How was how it actually written? What's, the way well, it's actually written. Hold on one written. second. Yeah. Uh, you, when uh, different the- people from different theater backgrounds get together, you bring changes... How happy are you with the changes, Doug, that he's brought, having <laughs> to put been, together all this back pro- I love projecting? A ch- I love a challenge. I love a challenge. Um, okay. I love a way that, that makes me look at my, you know, the technical, the lighting uh, things differently. And, it's, and it's, it's like figuring out a puzzle. You know, it's no fun if you do the same puzzle over and over and over again. You want to see a different puzzle. Right. And, and sometimes sets, you know, the sets that we build, they're beautiful sets. But for me, it's just lights up. Sit and yeah. you know play with my phone for forty minutes and then lights down, <laughs> then intermission, then lights up and then play with my phone for forty minutes and Warning. then lights down again. And it, Warning, cue number three. Exactly right, yeah. exactly. And, and there's nothing you know there's nothing wrong with that type of theater, and we do a lot of you know great shows that way. Yep. Uh, but it's certainly the more the more involved I am, the more interesting and fun it is it is for me. Uh, so yep. yeah. All right, we're gonna get to Lisa in just one second. Um, and then we're going to get into more about the specific play and make people want to go to the Ezekiel Bakes Lodge uh, to see the play. And uh, one thing that's convenient for everyone involved is that the, the Ezekiel Bates um, Lodge mm-hmm. is right across the street from the courthouse here in Attleboro yeah. in case things go completely haywire. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, how do people get tickets to the show? When's the show? I'm going to defer to the board members because you're okay. more well-versed in that. Uh, there, You have several options. We have a very active Facebook page, fix, uh, Facebook community uh, page. Uh, we have our AttleboroCommunityTheater.net uh, website, and theater is spelled T-R-E, not T-E-R. Good. So, or Good. You, can, you can look it up, obviously, yeah. in the Google. We had an old website, but the, the bots have now discovered the new one because it's been two years now. Good. So the, the bots hit the new one. Uh-huh. Um, you can order tickets through that. Uh, and that will take you over to the Squarespace, which is a secure, you know, so you don't have to worry about, you know, your information, that type of a thing. And it'll it'll show you on our website. It'll show you the the current season and part of the upcoming season. Uh, and you could also call two two is it two two six or two two two. 222-8100. You think after <laughs> you would think after forty something <laughs> years, I would know that phone number, right? Uh, 508-222-8100. And uh, that's, uh, so you have three or four different options, you know, right there. And And at uh, the door. And, oh, you could also purchase at the door. Who told yes. you you could talk? You can also. 
Um, yeah, this uh, right now in this time slot, uh, we usually don't have a problem. Christmas Carol, uh, you you know, yeah, we, we sold out. We yeah. sold out every single performance. Sold out. Um, uh, this time of year, people, you know, especially elderly people, are a little more yep. leery, uh, you know, to come out, you know, depending on the weather and such. Um, but uh, yeah, you can purchase tickets at the door if you would wish. And we are fully now. Uh, we have the whole point of sale credit card, uh, so it doesn't have to be cash. We take cards. Uh, and and also for our concessions, we are yeah, yeah. well known in the area for our wonderful homemade concessions. Yes. So, uh, we're talking to Doug Green, Phil Markella, and Lisa Forsgard of the Attleboro Community Theater. You can uh, call in at five zero eight two 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 one three two zero. I can remember the number five zero eight two 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 thirteen twenty. You can text in. Uh, and again, we call our textures remote correspondence because it sounds more impressive. And uh, we assign them agent numbers because we love the show Get Smart. You can text in your question or comments to uh, 774-287-6194, my trusty flip phone. Nice. 774-287-6194. Lisa Forsgard, what does a stage Hello. manager do and why are you people so darn important? The stage manager is responsible for all backstage goings and comings and fog machines and rattling chains and depending what the show needs, doorbells and yep. making sure furniture comes off and on and transitions and being a ninja in the dark, yes. <laughs> not tripping over things. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm the retired theater director from North Attleboro High School ah. and I spent 30 years of my life uh, with the North Attleboro school system and loved it. Um, I'm now unfortunately a widow, but I have four wonderful little granddaughters from my son and my daughter and their spouses. Yeah. And I am now back on the board. Doug is the president, by the way, of Attleboro Community Theater. I am the treasurer, so we're both on the board. Ooh. And yeah, I'm responsible. I'm, I'm the responsible one. Yes. Have you considered <laughs> any donations to the Paul Healy Fund? That's what I'm saying. You don't, you don't want I've me to ever to be the treasurer. Yeah. You don't want me handling your money. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. No, one needs to be extremely detailed oriented yeah. when you are a stage manager or a treasurer for that matter yeah. and um, I stayed away for a couple of years after my husband died but I am back in it sincerely good and, and uh, with with great gusto We're it, having it fun. people don't realize it really is like a ballet you know oh. coordinate coordinating set pieces that go on and off and this has a ton of pieces a, a ton of personal props a ton of set pieces yeah. uh, all representing you know a bedroom uh, 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 the outside of the castle the uh, a doorway to a hotel the desk at a hotel the, mm. you know and all these things because we don't have a lot of room back there yeah. and Lisa does an exquisite job of orchestrating it in fact she got she and I got into it a little a little bit last <laughs> night I said I said Lisa that desk can't <coughs> live there and she said get over it it's <laughs> living it's living there <laughs> that's where it has to wow. be so and you call out so. all the cues all the lighting cues sound cues no this is a little bit different i am used to that i'm used to having students in uh, up in the lighting booth and backstage and stage managers that's how i did it for all those years yeah. was that we had headsets on yeah and the stage manager called the cues doesn't work that way sound cues are on the sound cue sheet light cues huh. are on the light cue sheet we cannot we do not have headsets we communicate via a text group Oh, with, wow. Was yeah. the box office ready for us to go? Check with, and, and we check with each department, and then everybody's got their cues in their scripts and noted for what they're doing, and then we go through that script as, wow. as soon as the lights go down. Then the sound is in, 
you know, oh. integrated and the lights are integrated and the wow. stage our, crew our is theater just Our theater space just isn't really set up for that no yeah. because we don't, our sound and light booths are not enclosed. So in oh, from her, from her, so she runs the show basically from backstage hmm. um, and she can't even see a lot of the time, you know, what's wow. really what's going on. Well, um, so it's, it's more efficient than when the Akawis used to put on plays. They had to, <laughs> they had to use smoke signals to communicate. Hey, we have smoke signals. I want you to know. But we have a very, we have a very sneaky fog machine that sometimes cooperates and sometimes, sometimes doesn't. Sometimes doesn't. Wow. Um, my uh, senior year at Westboro High graduated in 1976. That was the first year uh, that they offered um, theater or drama <laughs> classes. Yeah. Um, so I was the only one of my six siblings who didn't have to take typing. There you go. Because yeah. that was at the same time as theater. Um, and then went to our Bridgewater State College, the Harvard of Southeastern Mass. And um, <laughs> Excuse me. She went, Harvard she, went, she went to Harvard, so <laughs> Harvard be careful. Be Hold careful on. what I, I, I believe that any institution you go to, what you get out of is what's important. Well, we're all wrong about something. But uh, Bridgewater <laughs> State College, the Harvard of Southeastern Mass, it's the finest school within a 30-mile radius. That includes Brockton High. And uh, I take student. I took students yeah. there religiously to see their productions. They have a wonderful theater company. Yeah, there. yeah. and yeah. I was determined not to get a job after graduating, so I was a theater major. Oh. <clears throat> um, but uh, Maureen uh, Truax, who's still a great friend of mine, she and Craig... Uh, we met uh, with the Ensemble Theater, and uh, Maureen, uh, she's often the stage manager for many Milton Players productions. And uh, like Maureen, when you're a stage manager, do you in fact go three weeks without any sleep at all? No, I get so tired from moving things around and being so intent uh, that by the time I'm, I get home, and you know, it takes a, little, a couple of hours to wind down, and then I do sleep pretty well. And I don't get up at 5.15 in the morning anymore, so I can sleep as long as I want. Excellent. <laughs> wow. Uh, we have our first remote correspondence of the day, and it's a new texter. So uh, based on the last two numbers of their uh, phone number, we'll dub them Agent 17. Uh, not to be confused with Agent Larrabee. He had to hide in the phone booths and the airport lockers and all that. Agent 17 is a great agent number. That's John Havlicek's number. Oh, okay. Excellent. Uh, it's truly a great group of people who bust their butts. Excuse me, on this show we refer to... That area is the fleshy hindquarters, but we will continue. <laughs> it's truly a great group of people who bust their fleshy hindquarters to put on an amazing all-cap show. Don't wait and get tickets today. Yay. And then Agent 5 texting in. Uh, hello and good morning, Paul and guests. I'm wondering if you do musicals. We do not. I hear they can be expensive. They yes. They are yes. very expensive. Yes, they are. Uh, it costs for the – it's just not practical in our space. Uh, we would never recoup the money that we would yeah. put out. Just it costs about five thousand dollars just to get a musical yeah. to the stage, yeah. uh, and a lot of times that's you know that's our entire profit margin on a on a show. So and plus we don't we don't we we have tried some plays with music in them. Uh, Peter and the Starcatcher yep. uh, that we did uh, a year ago in the fall, uh, and we did do it with some. Uh, recorded pre-recorded music and that was um that was successful uh but as a as a general rule we do not do musicals okay yeah we used to in the old days when we had the big venues yeah we used to do out we use Attleboro high school occasionally we used at the pine street armory which i think is now called the Attleboro rec center yeah. uh we had uh, we, even over in peter thatcher occasionally we did yeah. musicals over there but not any longer yeah they're a lot uh, more expensive a lot more complicated yeah even on uh, milton players who I'm involved with, uh, they do musicals once every other year because yeah. they're an awful lot of work. Uh, we're going to take our first break. When we get back, we're going to talk with uh, Phil Markella to get more specific. Um, uh, whoops, 
How did that get in my computer and what is it? I don't know what that is. Uh, more specific about the play, Ken Ludwig's Baskerville, a Sherlock Holmes mystery. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so you grew up in Plymouth. I grew up in Duxbury, actually. But oh, yes. oh, really? Yes, you have to say that without moving your chin. Yes, you do. I um, I'm glad you're not a regular listener of the show. Because <laughs> uh, I am. Um, actually, to show you how stupid the person you're dealing with is, mm -hmm. um, my original background in radio was sports talk. Oh, okay. And uh, so I decided in the late 80s, early 90s, if I'm going to be in the radio, I want to talk about more than games. I want to talk about stuff that really matters. That's right. So I switched to regular radio, and then... Sports radio took off, <laughs> and sports talk radio was the number one, number one uh, in genre. every media market in the country, and I am the last liberal left on AM radio. That's how stupid I am. <laughs> well, you got to keep flying the flag. That's yeah, yeah, exactly right. And um, and as a director, before we get to our break, uh, Dr. Levine at Bridgewater State College, uh, his biggest threat as a director, when we w just weren't getting it right as actors, was... Don't make me give you a line reading. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I have been accused of doing that in the past. Yeah. Uh, I did that this show, and it wasn't met with uh, friendly glances, yeah. that was for sure. And um, But you know, sometimes you have to. Yeah. Sometimes you have to bring out the stick. Everybody has. Everybody comes to these shows with different experience levels. Some people need that help. Some yep. people, you know, some people are experienced and 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 can go the distance without it. And some right. people need, you know, some people stay at first show and they're sort of yeah. fumbling around in the dark. So right. they need it. That's the most fun I have is dealing with the different the different experience levels. Mm -hmm. You know, some people you don't you know. I like to look at like fielding a baseball team. I got my shortstop. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't have to worry about him. You know, yeah. it's you know, it's the right fielder that I, uh, I got to work with them a little bit. Wow. But I, I also I, I do all the uh, sports coverage here, and I work for our National Federation of High School Sports and call playoff games. Nice. And Duxbury is just about my least favorite uh, team in town to cover. Incredibly um, okay. talented, yeah. incredibly talented, it's boring stunningly entitled, and very, <laughs> very little sportsmanship. Uh, in their Super Bowl win this year, they set a record. They scored 62 points. Oh, I know. It was because even with a 30-point lead, they refused to put any of the subs in because that's how Duxbury rolls. Rats. Duxbury Sports. No, Duxbury Theater. C. Yes. All right. We'll, we'll be right back after this on 1320 WAR. Hey. Doug forgot. <laughs> Nailed the dramatic pause. David. All right, welcome back to um, Pontificating with Paul and the Proletariat. Uh, we'll be here at 12 noon. Amy Goodman takes over with Democracy Now! A more realistic look at what really goes on in the real world from a real left-wing perspective. Very rare on our AM <laughs> radio. Uh, with us are Doug Green, Lisa Forsgaard, and Phil Markello, all with Attleboro Community Theater. Uh, Doug is the technical genius, like Wiley Coyote, over there at Attleboro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's about that's a, that's an apt that's an apt comparison <laughs> right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm always lighting the fuse and then realizing, uh, how am I going to stop this thing? I have the rocket blow up in my back or something? You need yeah, the Acme T-shirt. That's, that's it. I, we, we were once uh, we were discussing on the show. This goes back years. Um, where did the coyote get all the money? To purchase those Acme products, <laughs> and one of, uh, one of our had a big budget. Yeah, well, one of our quality control engineers, uh, Ned, 
Um, again, I'm responsible for bloviating in opinions. Our quality control engineers, Ned with an MIT degree and Lee with an RPI degree, uh, they straighten me out when I get too far uh, off the beam or when I turn into another angry white man uh, <laughs> screaming on the radio about politics. They'll just text an AMW. But Ned uh, texted in to explain that Wiley Coyote didn't have to write a single check. The Acme Corporation, it was product placement. Oh. That's how we got those. We go. yes. I just figured maybe his brother-in-law ran the ran the shipping department or something, and all those rockets and things fell off a truck or something somewhere. Was... Uh, Lisa Forsgard uh, is the uh, stage manager, and Phil Markella, all the way up from Plymouth, yes, uh, Massachusetts, is the uh, director. Um, Ken Lugwitz Baskerville is the play. It opens this Friday night. Go to AttleboroCommunityTheater.net or their Facebook group to get our tickets and more information. A Sherlock Holmes mystery. Indeed. Now, because it's a Sherlock Holmes mystery, do you have to watch a lot of PBS television to get this play? Um, you no. Know, you do not. Good. You do not. Because um, it's, 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 it's straight comedy. It's a camp version of the, of the uh, Holmes classic, Count of the Baskervilles. And... But you don't need the background. You don't need to be a fan of Benedict Cumberbatch. You don't need any any of that to appreciate Jeremy the humor Brett. of the show. I'm sorry? Jeremy Brett was the best. Oh, Jay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, no, you don't need to have that background to come in and enjoy the show. The story is pretty self-contained. Yep. Um, it's right out there, right in your face. It's is it too offensive in 2024 for Sherlock Holmes to be have a pipe in his mouth? Because we know tobacco is the devil now. Yes, it is. It is the devil indeed. And uh, my answer is no. Good. It's not too offensive. I'm trying to think. Uh, the lovely Carol McLaughlin uh, of the Quincy McLaughlins and myself. She's a wonderful woman. Other than her taste in men, she's just about perfect. <laughs> but I'm trying to see. We went. What play? What movie was it? Oh, the latest uh, Indiana Jones movie. Mm -hmm. And before the movie begins, there's a trigger warning. This movie uh, contains tobacco use. Are you kidding me? I saw that, yeah. Trigger warnings over tobacco? Yes. Wow. Yes. By the way, yes. I'm a huge Indiana Jones fan. That movie stunk out loud. Darn the luck. <laughs> um, but um, uh, Ken Lugwitz, Baskerville, you mentioned that uh, in the original script writing, there's a very, very small cast. Indeed, yes. You expanded it a bit. Why? I do. Well... Let me just uh, take a step back and just to show you how small the cast was originally written as. Yeah. Um, Holmes, Watson yeah. were two dedicated, uh, written as two dedicated actors playing those two roles. Yeah. And all the other ancillary players, of which there's about... It's like 35. 30 or something. 30-ish, something like that. Are played by three other actors. Oh, wow. With a lot of costume changes and characterization changes and accent changes. Some of them come in talking like this. Some of them come in talking like this. <laughs> um, so, you know, there are challenges in that with, with, with staging it like that in a, small, in a smaller space uh, with, with all the movement, all the kinetic movement. Um, so that was my original. That, that was all I had in my head. Yeah, is what I read in the in, in, in the character description, and, and I've never seen the show produced before. So I came in this with a completely blank slate. Um, so I was asked when I first met with the board and pitching the show, I was like, "Are you really, are you going to stick to that?" <laughs> and um, you know, my answer I, at the time, I think you may remember, was, "Well, I don't know. Let's see. Let's see who shows up for auditions." <laughs> and a lot of people showed up for auditions. A lot Excellent. of really talented people. And they all knew each other. They all worked together before. Yep. They all had nice relationships with each other. Um, so I, you know, I went rogue. <laughs> yeah. 
And um, there are still a number of actors who yep. will double up and triple up on characters, Good. which is a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, we did, we did, we did spread it out a bit. Rats, trying to find a commercial for when I was up at WCRN, and I think I used seven different accents in one commercial, but I can't find it. Darn the luck. Basically, um, uh, Sherlock Holmes. What uh, what year is the play set in? It's set in the late 1890s. Okay. And it is the it is the story of the Hound of the Baskervilles. Mm-hmm. That the Holmes is called in to solve a mystery of a murder that was um, by through um, through folklore and um, and you no know, the they had to investigate the what was known as the curse of the Hound of the Baskervilles. Yeah. So the, these Baskerville heirs kept dying, and um, you know the and the, the 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 treasure of the Baskerville estate was at risk was at was at stake, mm-hmm. and you know. Was there really a hound? Is there really a hound? Is it a curse? What is it? You know, and so that's what this play um, tells the story of is Sherlock Holmes and his, can we say opium smoking on this radio station? Ooh. If we can't say tobacco smoking, oh, how the okay. heck can we say opium smoking? Because that's what he stars. really smoked, by the way. I mean, yeah. If we're really going to call it. If we're really going to call it. it and is. does the hound uh, bite 24 separate secu- uh, members of the Secret Service uh, the, way, <laughs> the way the dog that was finally banished from the White House did. Yes. Uh, well, no, he doesn't. Um, um, but he does bite a few of the uh, Baskervilles. Sure he does. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah. good. Uh, Lisa Forsgaard, uh, former uh, theater teacher at North Attleboro High School. Um, so you must have seen a lot of Utes in your time. Get the theater bug. Yes, indeed. Uh, which sadly... Um, employment-wise, is very difficult to shake. May I tell you that two of my former students are in this production, and I had nothing to do with them being cast. They just turned up, and they were fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) They turned up and auditioned, and one I didn't recognize because I hadn't seen him since he was a a mere tot. He He went through the middle school Yep. And was in my theater group, my middle school theater group. But he didn't come to the high school for my high school group where I taught. Yep. Uh, he went to Bishop Fian and did a lot of theater there and then did it in college. And he's a matter of fact, Greg Began is doing graphics for us for the rear projection, which oh, is excellent. just fabulous. Outstanding. Yeah. So, yeah, the, we don't, the, the youngest person in our cast, uh, actually the youngest people in the cast are the lighting <laughs> operator uh-huh. under Doug's tutelage and the sound operator under Doug's tutelage and a stagehand who's from Attleboro High School. And so, yeah, we've got from high school on up to, I, I don't want to guess, but yeah. some, we got some people in their 80s Excellent. wandering around. Wow. And work. I will say, if you really, if you want to work professionally in the theater, the technical side's the way to go. It sure is. <laughs> That's what yes. I always tell people. Yeah. I said, if you want to do it, you learn the tech because tech people are always in demand. You'll always be for every one person who appears on stage, you you're always going to have exactly. you know a dozen or fifteen technical people who and yep. you in that way you can also network too yep. because you find people and like they say when you're in the community you you circulate around and yep. you find out what where auditions are and if you want to take a show off of tech and do an audition or something if there's yeah. a part you like then you can do that and yeah. it's also a great way to experience and learn and then some people hop over into motion picture production as yeah. well my uh, my daughter um, was a theater major and uh, at Salem State because she didn't learn a thing from me um, <laughs> and uh, one of her uh, best friends from high school who was a stage manager for all their high school shows at Grafton High uh, he's a professional stage manager now and I still remember in 1983 I was working at a stagehand at Coconut Grove Playhouse and one of my college uh, buddies, another Bridgewater State College Ensemble Theater uh, member, uh, was on the crew. And um, the assistant sound tech 
had to go into rehab or something. <laughs> it was Miami in the eighties, <laughs> and they and uh, you know the guy who runs the the, uh, the Coconut Grove Playhouse said, "Does anyone know anything about sound production?" And nobody says anything. Richard waves his hand and says, "I'm willing to learn." So he's the assistant sound tech. Two months later, the sound technician goes into rehab. Richard gets that gig, and today he is making big, big money uh, working as a sound tech in professional theaters all over the uh, all over the world. Phil, how did you get the theater bug? Um, well, it, it is contagious. I caught it in high school. Yeah, and there was no vaccine for it. So. Um, <laughs> And um, in fact, um, the same person who pretty much dragged me down to the theater in high school, because yep. I was a jock, I did all that yes, stuff, yep, yep. and um, is Liz Cook, yep. who is the same one who dragged me here to Attleboro. She oh, said, wow. you should come here and you should check out this theater group. And I said, okay. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that's how that happened. And in fact, I did a musical with Liz. We both kind of had bit parts. Yeah, I was my senior year, I think, and the president of the Bay Players of Duxbury, yeah. she came up to me after one of the productions and she said, you know, you really should come out for the Bay Players. And I said, I'm 17. Uh, I'm going to college. You know, this is my summer of love. I, coming up. I, don't, I don't think I'm going to be doing anything. And um, so I went to college and kicked around, did, you know, then life, got yeah. married, had kids, you know. And kind of fell out of it. Yep. And then I got divorced. <laughs> and a friend um, of mine. Just for the record, she finally came to her senses. But well, continue, that's, Phil. Oh, yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> and another friend of mine um, said, you should do that. There's a play down in Plymouth. There's a part that's open that's perfect for you. Yep. And you should come down and, 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 and read for it. I'm like, ah, you know, I'm in the middle of this whole thing. It's a mess. And she said, oh, it'll, it'll take your mind off of it. Uh, and I said, sure. okay, sure, I'll go down. What, what, by the way, what's the part? What's the play? Yeah. She goes, well, the play is called Run for Your Wife. <laughs> and the, the part for you is Bobby Franklin. And I said, well, what, 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 what is it? And she said, well, you'd be the gay neighbor upstairs. <laughs> and I said, and this part's perfect for me. How? She goes, oh, just come down. You'll love it. You'll have a great time. And I did. I had a, I had a fantastic time. And here I am, 17 wow. plus years later. Um, that's funny. I was at the theater jock. Oh, yeah? Um, and, you know, there was uh, myself, John, and uh, Peter, and that was it. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, interesting combination. It is. Uh, uh, we're talking to um, uh, Doug Green, because his brother Jeff, who his mother loved more, couldn't make it. Uh, Lisa <laughs> Forsgaard, uh, the stage manager uh, for the uh, production and treasurer. And uh, Phil Markeller, the director for Ken Lugwitz Baskerville, a Sherlock Holmes mystery, directed by uh, Phil Markella. Uh, Friday and Saturday nights at 8 o'clock. Sundays, 2 p.m. matinees. It starts this Friday night, runs through St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. Uh, fun, rollicking show. It is. Um, it is. Nonstop. Three hours long, like Oppenheimer? No. No, 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 no. Oppenheimer, a three-hour film that felt like two hours, and Barbie, a two-hour film that, that was a like one-trick pony and felt like three or four hours. <laughs> wow. Um, how long is the show? Uh, the first act, is about, it, including an admission, is probably a good solid two, 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 ten, two, two and 15. a quarter, probably, yeah. yeah. Okay, yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to take one more break and then come back for one more set with uh, Doug... Phil and uh, Lisa, but very quickly, um, so, uh, you know, I come from a very, very athletic family. Grandfather was the All-American quarterback at Dartmouth in 1903. 
Uh, uh, they won the first game ever played at Harvard Stadium. Really? Yeah. Well, November twenty second, nineteen twenty. The ball was in our trophy case until two thousand three. We gave it back to Dartmouth. <laughs> uh, Pops, my father's in the Hall of Fame at University of Vermont for baseball and basketball. Uh, my brother John, only sophomore in UMass history to be all conference in football and baseball. So, so I end up because I, I was the sixth kid, and and mom was out of gas when I came along. So I showed up. <laughs> As a freshman in high school, four foot eleven, ninety-one pounds. Coaches thought my mother slept with a mailman. Uh, but in my freshman year, um, I got cast in the uh, play at Bridgewater um, freshman year of college, uh, *Canterbury Tales*, a body rock musical. Ooh! And um, I was so naive. Speaking of playing a gay character, uh, that uh, Dr. Levine, the director, because I'm trying to be macho on stage. And uh, three, three weeks into rehearsals, he says to me, you do realize your character is gay, correct? I had no idea. That's how they, <laughs> uh, sure, sure I do. So I call my father and tell him, you know, look out my mom and dad, I'm, you know, I'm gonna be in a bunch of plays. You don't have to come to this one. <laughs> and my mother says to my father, you went to all of your children's athletic events. You are going to your son's play because he was at some golf tournament on the Cape, which is nearby. So he shows up. The curtain opens up. There I am dancing across stage in purple tights. <laughs> he made it through the first act. Made it through the first act. Left at intermission. Drove home. Called my big brother Rich. Is this something about your younger brother, Paul, I ought to know? <laughs> no doubt. I'm pretty sure it's called acting. Yeah. Well, well that's funny because when I did this show, I, <laughs> yeah. I brought my kids to one of them. And yeah. they were, I think my oldest was probably 13 or 14 at the time. Yeah. And my youngest was probably five or six. So I brought him to the show. And afterwards, I came out and I said, yeah. uh, so uh, what would you think? And the little one said, oh, Daddy, you were so funny. That we, you made me laugh. And my oldest was just looked at me and said, Nice one, Dad. Nice one. No wonder Mom divorced you. Yeah, <laughs> that answers some questions. Well, that's a funny. That's a funny story too. And that, you know, maybe when we come back, I'll give you that story. But uh, all right, we'll be right back with uh, uh, Doug, Phil, and uh, Lisa. Right? Excuse me, with Lisa. Thank you, Phil and Doug. Right after this, um, on thirteen twenty W A R. Nail the dramatic pause. <laughs> All right, we have to stop talking about that. The microphones are on. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Attleboro Community Theater. Uh, their next production, Ken Ludwig's Baskerville, a Sherlock Holmes mystery, a, a rollicking fun night at the theater, directed by Phil Markella, uh, who is with us. How many miles have you put on the car uh, coming up from Plymouth? Oh, but, uh, geez, I don't keep track, but a lot. Probably, uh, well, yeah. probably 100, uh, 100 around trips. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, Lisa... Uh, Forsgaard is with us, and uh, Doug Green as well, and darn the luck. Oh, what are you doing next after this? We're going into the Shakespearean Oh, realm. really? Yes, we are. We're doing Twelfth Night. Ah. And so our producer for this show, Jay Burns, is uh, also is directing that show, he, who also just sent me a text and said, don't forget to mention buying tickets online, which we actually already have, yep. but we'll mention it again. And, Somebody uh, missed the beginning of the interview. And, and use the website for more information about working with us on future shows, which is important because we're always looking for new new people to come in and uh, and play with us and have yep. a good time. Uh, some people come in and they, and they do one show because they did it in college or just curious what it's about mm -hmm. and other people stay and you know they like a fungus like me they can't <laughs> get they can't get rid of no matter how many times they scrape it off it grows back kind of a thing so like the guest who wouldn't leave exactly wow 
Yes, the athlete's foot of the local entertainment <laughs> era. 100%. Well, uh, Agent uh, 27 uh, texts in. Haven't heard from Agent 27 in a while. Uh, who builds uh, the sets and costumes and such? Uh, we'll let Lisa, because she hasn't been able to talk as much as others. That's uh, okay. Um, Just here to support, yep. as all good stage managers do. Are <laughs> the sets on a regular basis are designed by Tammy England and built by Scott England and John Ald and other people that show up to help yep. that have carpentry skills. This is not really a set. This is the the black box kind of a few walls and the arch behind it. So Tammy didn't design this one. Phil came up with all of the ideas about what he wanted to have happen. We have one side stage that has props on the wall so that people can come over and get them and furniture along the wall. We have mm -hmm. the other side stage that has a multifunctioning uh, unit that has a door and a window and it looks the time period for the, the 1890s. And then we just have screening that on either side of our screen that do that. <coughs> Costumes this time are, as always, <laughs> Or pretty often. Jean Smith is in charge of costumes and she has a new young helper, um, Aisha. And there's there's other people that help in the background like Darlene and some people will make certain pieces for it. So costumes usually that. Set um, dressing and painting mm -hmm. and things. Tammy England just made a a photo opportunity booth out in the lobby that is some leftovers from the Christmas Carol set and it's ah. got a, a poster of Baskerville you can sit in a wing chair and, and take your picture <laughs> as you come in across from the in the lobby across from the box office but so yeah and props are there's a, several of us working on props a lot of good yep. people uh, agent another new texters will call agent 52 all right this is under the headings of questions I should have asked about a half hour ago <laughs> uh, who are the lead actors in the production rats <clears throat> um, Phil, Doug, and who wants to take that? Uh, Holmes is played by Patrick Murphy, and I cannot pronounce Alex's last name. Panadopoulos. 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 It's a G. It's a G. Okay. Alex Panadopoulos. It's 2024 where everyone's offended by anything, everything. <laughs> Our apologies to all the Greek listeners out there. Uh, but continue. Um, so they are Holmes and Watson. They are, they are a lovely team, very talented actors, and they're a lot of fun to work with. Sir Henry Baskerville is played by Doug McCaskill. Who is a ACT alum from 1992. 20, 25 wow. yeah, years ago, more than that. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's from 1992. That's yeah. when wow. he did his first show with us. Yeah. Yeah. Now, does he also have a check. brother, Jeff? No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Excuse me. Sorry. He's got great, great acting skills and uh, is, is, I think, sincerely having fun with this. Sincerely, having yeah, he's one of the he's one of the middle fielders that you know. He, yep. he, he'd be like my center fielder. Don't have to worry about him. He came in, he had a fully formed character. Yep, learned his lines. Good. Wow, strong up the middle. Catcher, yes. shortstop, second base, exactly. center field. Exactly. <laughs> um, do you get that reference, uh, Lisa? Yes, I do. Good. As a matter of fact, I grew up with five brothers who all played sports. Don't patronize <laughs> so. me. Do you see? And I played see? sports. We can't, we can't mansplain anymore. Yes. Right. <laughs> I, I think we should we should mention the female lead, the one who has the most parts and is on stage. The That's most. all the time well, we have for <laughs> Lisa. I was getting. Well, we're getting okay, you're there. You're getting there. I mean, I'm assuming you're referring to Stephanie? Yes, I am referring to Stephanie. Stephanie yes. Geddes. Geddes. Secretary on the board of ACT. Stephanie Geddes, another very talented actor. Mm -hmm. She is fantastic. She has she plays three roles, I believe. At least three, right? Yep. Yeah, she plays three parts. 
a couple of really funny quick changes. And they're all major parts, yeah. too, right. so it's really fun. And one of them is a male, so it's, yes. it's interesting. Yeah. So yeah. She's fantastic. Yeah. Great skills. Um, and then we have um, uh, Marissa Seamus, Seamus. Yep. and uh, Patrick Keister. They are the... Um, Excuse me, that's fleshy hindquarters. We went over that earlier. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Pat. Uh, Patrick, fleshy hindquarters. Yes. <laughs> uh, they are Inga and... Mr. Barrymore. Mr. I don't Barrymore. think he has a first he name. No, he doesn't. And he he plays a couple of different characters as well. Patrick does. And, and he's one that is my former student from Oh, great. Out of our high school. Is he a former yeah. student? Oh, yeah. I knew Greg was. And then we talked about Gregory already. Gregory being vegan. Yeah. Vegan. Um, he pl- he he has one two two roles that are very funny. Again, another cat who came on stage. Yeah. He had two perfectly. Um, Conceptualized characters mm. and kills it. He's probably the catcher. Catcher. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Stephanie's probably the shortstop there. Um, so very easy to work with and lovely to work with. They're a lot of fun. And then you now filling in, we have we have Emily uh, Lamar. 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 Emily Lamar. She's fantastic. She plays a couple of roles and Carrie also in. doubles men and women. That's right. Parts. Yeah. Yep. And Carrie Ann, um, what? Cayenne. Cayenne. Carrie Ann. Cayenne. She plays. She has she has two roles, um, and um, I'm I'm forgetting a whole bunch because I'm so pulling many. up on my phone oh, the cast list so because much. there are 16 members okay. of the cast, and we want to make sure that we do not forget anybody. Alex Aponte, who is Alex near and dear Aponte. to my heart, goodness gracious, and Alex is <laughs> for anyone who knows. He's your utility infielder. Okay. Yes, and this he cat comes does on. accents and is having fun, and he's also. The, the 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 gun master because there are people should be aware yeah. there's some loud oh yes we have bangs. guns uh, just a few and don't worry Alex Baldwin will not be anywhere near the theater <laughs> um, now with the Ponte around let me tell you yes and and he also he's one of those guys that just backstage says can I put that out there for you oh. and, and helps with with is she the former police up. officer yes, yes. yes. he is that's I was wondering whether I should bring that up yeah or not. no I just, but that's it, one of the reasons he's in charge of gun safety okay yeah okay and then um, you're a friends with Craig Whitford, right? Did I you am. Bring yes. Him in? So you should talk about Craig. Oh, Craig Whitford. Um, I met him actually. I met him when I did that first show, when I was the gay neighbor upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's just—he's a lovely gentleman. Um, he's been acting for a number of years. Mm-hmm. He's got a very famous, famous brother that we won't go—we we won't go into—who plays for a very famous rock band from this area. Okay. For the last fifty years. Um, <coughs> Dude looks like a lady. Uh, one of them, yeah, yeah, one of those guys. Yeah. And our only authentic British accent comes from Heather Carey, who is playing Mrs. Hudson, Sherlock Holmes' housekeeper. She's the only one who actually has the right accent, and she's helped with how to pronounce mm-hmm. things. Um, Nicholas Sherbine is another one who's Nicholas just Sherbine. came in completely fully formed as an actor and is just a, a wonderful, wonderful um, help backstage. Ruthie Withers, who gave us our our one stage hand. <laughs> Because she gave birth to him. Um, she is playing a bunch of <laughs> That's parts. one way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you can get some stagehands. Yeah. And uh, Kira Santos. And Kira plays a bunch of different parts. Mark Carter, I just have to bring up the skills this man had. And even before auditions, all he wanted to do was play the hound. And huh. when you come to see us, you will find out why. Uh, because this he, man has skills that will just, the shiver that runs up your spine, and you get a little bit creeped huh. out, and then you just remind yourself that oh, it's just 
Mark over there. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, he was hilarious. I was having a conversation with somebody during before audition started. You know, everyone's milling about. Yeah. And I don't know who I was talking. I was talking to somebody, and he just comes in. He was like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, sir, sir, excuse me, sir. I just want to be the hound. Can I be the hound? I mean, isn't he even really a hound? I want to be the hound. Can we have auditions first? Do you mind? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, I, I think we can find a spot for you. Wow. We've got to take our final break talking to Doug Green, uh, president of Attleboro Community Theater, Lisa Forsgaard, treasurer, <coughs> and uh, director Phil, and stage manager of the play, and director Phil Markella. Uh, we've got to take one more break, and uh, then we'll wrap it up with them. Uh, you're listening to Pontificating with Paul and the Proletariat on 1320 WAR. Hey. I'm sorry. There we go. <laughs> I thought one of you was going to say it. <laughs> uh, pretend. pretend you're hearing a song right here. I forgot to get a song ready. Ah, um, we're going to take it to the uh, top of the hour. Uh, again, Doug Green from the Attleboro Community Theater, Lisa Forsgaard, and Phil Markella. Phil, your first time working with Attleboro Community Theater. Um, think it, uh Work with them again, or have you had enough of these people? Oh gosh, you have no idea. <laughs> no, I definitely. If they'd have oh. me back, yeah, yeah, I'll do something simpler next time. Yeah. Speaking of uh, technical stuff and doing stuff similar, Doug, um, many of your productions, um, Attleboro Community Theater. One thing you guys do more than most, you know, local theaters like uh, the Black Box in Mansfield or Foothills Theater or Milton Players, uh, you guys interact with the audience a heck of a lot more than most community theaters. Is there any offstage stuff this time out oh, within the audience? Yes, sir. Oh, there certainly is. <laughs> yep. Why wouldn't there be? There's, yeah, Lots. absolutely. I, I, and that's the type of of interaction I love. Uh, yep. Immersive, that immersive type of that's quality. That's the word I was trying to think of. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's why I, I, I've loved developing ACT over the years and, and why I would never just go back. I've had offers from other groups, you know, to come do things with them. And it just doesn't – straight proscenium doesn't interest me. Yeah. Um, you know, occasionally if I get a little movie work or something here and there, that's kind of fun. But, but uh, no, my home is, my home is here and yeah. I, because I love the way that we do these, these types of things. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. our bread and butter and it's kind of a niche that we've kind of carved out. Yeah. You know, for oh, doing definitely. That. And the proscenium arch in the, the Masons – lower level the lowest level is not more than 12 feet from the back wall right, right there are no wings per se so there's a thrust that's built out there there's built-in stairs that are out there there's two platforms that are out there that bring you down into the audience we always have to have a wide aisle up the middle and the sides because there's always action going on there mostly out of necessity right so that's one of the other reasons that we we are sort of limited to some of the productions we can do like a musical <laughs> you yep. could put maybe six tap dancers across that stage and that's about <laughs> it so there's no big numbers and things but it, it is a it's a beautiful old building yeah. not without its you know it's trouble sometimes but it's just such a, a wonderful place to play it's just gorgeous every space has its challenges yeah. but uh we've we've really uh, done a lot with that adapted, space yeah. Over, yeah adapted and done a lot with that space you know not and not just myself but everybody that's come in there uh different people have just suggested different things and it's grown and it's changed and it's evolved over the years yeah uh, we have that nice uh sitting 
area cafe area up up in the back when we have our our counter with our snacks and our drinks and you know that type of thing and our our fireplace that we have and yeah. that we built for two different shows and uh, i could just didn't have the heart to dismantle it and it looks so people kind of come <laughs> down and they's like oh what are we going down in the basement what is this and then they open the door it's like dorothy when she opens the yeah. door you know and walks out into the munchkin land and i all i hear it for every single show people went oh this is nice oh oh look at, oh this is warm it's cozy yeah. it's wonderful when you when people walk into it and i love to hear that and the other thing i hear all the time is I've lived in Attleboro all my life, and I never knew we had a community theater okay. here. And I said, you know, we've only been here for 67 years, you know, kind of a thing. But, but, Even in you this know, building for a while. Yeah, yeah, we were in this building for tw- 18 years. 18, is that what it was, yeah. 18 years? Uh, yeah, our stage was, you know, probably 30, 40 feet from where we're sitting yeah. right now. Wow. Um, go. Uh, we just, uh, we get, we're running out of time. Agent 27, who I'm going to assume has a theater background of some kind, writes... Um, where the performances take place, like any decent theater, is it haunted? Absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 I think That's it was. I've been told. I yeah. think yeah. it was haunted before we. Came. I mean, the oh, building is a hundred years ago. Yeah. Hundred years old. Yeah. Um, and it. I've. I. I've been. I've never any experienced anything myself, but I've had people. I'm not sensitive to that type of thing yeah. the way some people are. I've had the way your brother Jeff is. I've <laughs> had several. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sensory deprivation. Um, uh, I've had several people who are claimed to be psychic and sensitive that way uh, tell me that they've seen things and experienced things. And that go space. to the fourth floor someday. I go to the fourth floor all the time. Yeah, and you don't feel it. Nope, I do. Nope. Wow. He, he didn't get the plot of Sixth Sense for, sense for crying out loud. Uh, just for the record, the uh, not the main student union theater at Bridgewater State College. Uh, did I mention it's the Harvard of Southeastern Mass? Yes, you did. did. Uh, but uh, Boyden Hall, that old theater, uh, Judith Glynn is the uh, spirit that inhabits that. And uh, I was a big doubter all through high school. I didn't believe yeah. any of that stuff. Uh, <clears throat> it's real, folks. Uh, yeah. We're almost out of time. Uh, Phil Markella is the director of the show. Here we go. I should have this memorized by now, shouldn't I? There we go. Oh, that's in the way. Um, Ken Ludwig's Baskerville, a Sherlock Holmes mystery, directed by Phil Markella. Uh, Attleboro Community Theater is so good, they can even overcome... Uh, having Tom Rafferty in some of their shows, absolutely. And we <laughs> love, we love, such we, a voice. we we ha- we love having Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Tom has Tom has been a great friend to me anyway throughout the years, uh, yeah. thirty something years now. So wow. back from the old days, but yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, uh, Phil, uh, uh, how often? What are some other shows you've directed? Oh gosh, why should we trust your abilities? Uh, I I don't know. I don't know why you should at all. Um, I've directed, you know, The Odd Couple. I've directed Other Desert Cities. I've directed Present Laughter. I've directed Same Time Next Year and oh. Barefoot in the Park and uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Wow. Uh, Wait Until Dark. Ooh, good one. Um, that's all I can think of on the top of my head. So, yeah, I, I've, I've you know, lived and learned and yep. fallen down and <laughs> dusted myself back up. You know, maybe next time I'll do that differently. Uh, I don't think there's any of us who get to the end of a show and say, without thinking, oh my good, oh, why didn't I think of this, that, or the other thing to put in? But, you know, sometimes you get tunnel vision. That's what makes life, that's what makes live theater. I mean, it's, it's and the the wonderful thing is if you get what I like to call a wicked good idea, somewhere in the middle, it's always changeable. It's always, it's always. At Milton Players, we did uh, Becky's new car, and I was the uh, rich widower. 
who um, uh, swoons Becky Way, and there was one line, there was one line late in the third act that I'd never felt I got right. Driving home from the cast party, it hit me like a lightning bolt out of the blue. Uh. Rats! That's how that line should have been delivered. Darn the luck. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, no, we've, all, a, we've all had that. There's no finish line. There's no finish no. line in theater. No, never. No. Never. Which is one of the great things, frustrating things and great things about it. Well, that's why, you know, it's important to have a collaboration with people that you, that, yep. you know, who, whose abilities and experience you trust. Because, yep. you know, sometimes, I know for me, I get, I, I get stuck in a vision of the way I want to see things. And, you know, sometimes that's not always the best way. It's just the way I want to say it. Please kill the rabbit. Kill the rabbit. I was going to say Inside joke. That's when the stage manager, Lisa, says, Phil, Phil, you're blocking. Yeah. You're blocking. No. Or Doug will say, what the hell is he doing way over there? I can't put lights over there. Wow. We're almost out of time. 30 seconds to go. Pandemic's over. Get up. Get out of your house. Come see live theater. Yes. That's how it all began before these darn movies and the interweb and television. <laughs> Get out and see some live theater, some talented people in our own community. Doug Green, thank you for being you. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Yes. Lisa, thanks for keeping track of the money. Uh, Phil. <laughs> nice to meet you. Thank you for driving your car into the ground. To into get back the and forth ground. Well, it's a Toyota. It should, it should last into the ground. All right. Uh, we're out of time. Have a great day, everybody. Amy Goodman is next on 1320 WAR. Hey! Nail the dramatic pause.